Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Show Preview Edition. Mm. My name's Noah Baker. I'm coming to you from the great state of Ohio, Perrysburg, mm. Ohio. The man on my right, that's Dommy Bunkers. Hey, Dom. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Dommy Bunkers is a mythical figure that only makes appearances once every 16 golf trips. I think that's the math I've determined with that one, but uh, I'm doing well. A little early for us. We're recording this on a Tuesday matinee, releasing it on a Thursday just to work around our schedules. It's a busy week for the Joes, but that don't mean we're cutting nothing short. Chipotle aside, we've got UFC in two. Two count it. Bellator cards in Hawaii. I think we're going to have a fun episode, Noah. Do you agree? Completely. It's a big weekend for combat sports. You have these three MMA cards that we'll be talking about. And then if you're a boxing fan, got to get excited about Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia this weekend. And there is another boxing card I'll be checking out on the zone. Um, I always, I forget how to say to guys. uh, I think it's shot. It's it's something like, it's like Shavkat Radzimov or something like that. Like it's a, a distant it's, it's got a name that's yeah yeah so you know it's one of those one of those type of fighters yeah. right so um i'll be watching a lot of that and honestly just sports in general dom you got nba playoffs nhl mm. playoffs baseball's mm. in full swing i was Ooh. filling out my schedule i keep a on my notes app i keep like a daily schedule of what's going to be on and what channel it'll be on uh today i'm finally gonna since i don't have cable anymore because my old apartment uh cable was part of my rent i'm gonna finally make the youtube tv purchase oh. with their recent announcement with uh nfl sunday ticket slash uh, mm. red zone i think you can get with it too um very excited about that so i'll be watching just sports 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 all week but what else would i be doing mm. but you guys don't care about that you're here for the guys punching each other in the face yeah and it starts dominic with ufc Vegas said, just kidding. Oh, insert number here. I thought he was going to do it. I thought about it and I said, nope, got it. Got to keep the bit going in your main event. Dominic, a pretty big fight. No pun intended, literally (laughs) and figuratively, I guess. Uh, In your heavyweight division, the number three ranked Sergey Pavlovich comes in at a plus 145. This is my first time seeing betting odds for these fights, Tom, so I'm already a little surprised by that. Yeah. He's going up against a man one spot behind him, number four, Curtis Razor Blades at minus 170. The story here, Dominic, in my opinion, you got Pavlovich, who's been surging as of late. He's won five straight, dating back to his UFC debut all the way back in 2018 where he took on Alistair Overeem in a main event on a fight night in his first UFC (laughs) bout. Uh, Overeem takes him down, pummels him with the ground and pound in one round, gets him out of there quickly. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Curtis Blades, who's been around much longer than Pavlovich. I think his UFC tenure dates back to probably 2015 or so, 2014. Mm -hmm. He debuted against Francis Ngannou. Uh, who ended up being a kryptonite for him for a while. Uh, He has three losses in the UFC, and they are two of the hardest punchers you will ever see in the heavyweight division in Nganu and Derek Lewis. But Curtis Blades, on a bit of a run himself, we of course saw him in the main event at UFC Columbus 
uh, and getting a big win there, coming out to the Mortal Kombat theme. Mm-hmm. Great vibes. And then he followed that up in a main event in the second London card of last year against Tom Aspinall. I know. The fight only went like 15 seconds, yeah. unfortunately. Aspinall uh, went down with a pretty serious knee injury. But regardless, Blades does come in here on a winning streak. But Dominic, I'm a little surprised by the odds, not because of any sort of lack of respect I have for Curtis Blades. I think, Mm -hmm. dare I say, hot take alert coming. Curtis Blades might be the best heavyweight of all time to never fight for a UFC title. Ooh, I like that. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Like when I was thinking about it earlier, it depends on if you count interim titles because you got Minotaro Noguera in there Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But um, for argument's sake, I would say Curtis Blades might be the best to ever do it at heavyweight without competing for a title. That's been the one thing that's missed him, Dom. He's gotten yeah. so close, and then, of course, he runs into Nganu, or then the Derek Lewis fight happens where he looks great early, gets caught with a nasty uppercut in round two. And that's been kind of his kryptonite through his career, really. It's not just Nganu, Dom. It's when the hardest punchers land yeah. flush on him. In a heavyweight division where one punch more than any other division can change the course of an entire fight, can end the fight quickly, he tends to not have one of the better chins, at least that we've seen in this heavyweight division. Meanwhile, Sergey Pavlovich is kind of taking that mantle with Derek Lewis starting to fall towards the backside of the top 15. And Ganu, of course, no longer in the UFC. There's an argument that could probably be made that Pavlovich might be the most dangerous puncher in this heavyweight division and he's proven it back to back under one round or under one minute knockouts including uh tied to ivasa and wasn't it Derek lewis yes it was yes and even before that shamil abdurrahimov like he's he's really just been on this tear of yeah even through his whole mma career dom he's got 14 knockouts i'm pretty sure at least 13 of them are in the first round maybe (laughs) yeah he wastes no time yeah and that's been the story for him, but you go back to that only loss of his entire career and you saw the path to do it. Yeah. Overeem, Overeem, obviously a historically great kickboxer, able to take him down, dominate with ground and pound, get him out of there quickly. Mm-hmm. And even though he's been on a tear since, hasn't shown any weaknesses like that since, I would argue it's been untested ever yeah. since that fight back in 2018. Yes. Yes. So to start our discussion here, Dominic, who do you trust more between these two to have improved the most in their perceived deficiency? Oh man. I think I have to lean Pavlovich. I I don't know, man. This dude just seems like a wrecking ball right now. And you know, Cur- another thing that leads me that direction is that Curtis has shown a willingness to stand lately. Yeah. He's trusted to stand up. He's gotten a couple knockouts. He's looked sharp. But uh, is that going to be that confidence that he's having? Is he going to bring that in here against Pavlovich, a dude that don't waste no time, throws bombs, and he is absolutely dangerous? So with all those factors, I do lean Pavlovich in terms of the deficiencies. Who's going to be better at those deficiencies? I think Sergey, but... I want to see Curtis try and wrestle solely for the fact of has Pavlovich done that? Can he stay on the feet? Can he get on top of Curtis even? Like like you said, since that first fight in 2018, we've not even seen him 
have to be tested at all with grappling with wrestling. Curtis is the man to do it if he doesn't get overzealous and too confident in the hands. No, and sometimes when people start getting those knockouts, they trust those hands and don't fall back on what's got them to the top. I don't think Curtis will necessarily do it, but if I have to lean one way, I go Pavlovich for that question. Yeah, I think I'm going to slightly lean Pavlovich, and a lot of it's because the fight starts on the feet, right? Yep. Like it's just yep. it's just an inevitability that that is Blades is going to have to take him to the ground. So therefore, I put slightly more trust in Pavlovich. Curtis Blades is the best wrestler at heavyweight, though. Yes. Maybe another hot take. One of the best wrestlers in UFC heavyweight history. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. And, there's, and that's a historically, mm-hmm. you go way back and you got a lot of top-notch guys in there. And could I I could totally see this, Dom, turning into one of those um, classic Curtis Blades performances where yeah. he really draws the fight out. He dominates with takedowns and top control. But he's also capable of landing some nasty ground and pound. Let's not forget what he did to Alistair Overeem a fight that was pushed to the prelims for CM Punk and Mike Jackson in Chicago. (laughs) But that was the best performance you probably, that I've maybe ever seen from Curtis Blades, not just in dominance, but in actually landing the damage to go along with it, making it an exciting finish. For Curtis Blades, I feel like he's a bit stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. Yes, he's ranked number four. This fight has sort of been built up to where I think a lot of people think the winner of this fight should Mm. be in line to either take on the winner of a potential John Jones-Stipe fight, or if both those guys were to retire afterwards, it Mm. may open them up for just a vacant title. Yeah. However, for Curtis Blades, he's had a rocky relationship with the UFC, with MMA fans. And it's not done him any favors, probably, in terms of the UFC really trying to push him into yeah. a title position. Not all of his fights have been the most appealing. They've not been the most exciting. And if he were to win this fight, Dominic, you have to think he's going to have to do a little bit of that, slow the fight down, drag it out, try to force Pavlovich into later rounds to do so. Mm-hmm. But yet he, he might feel this pressure also that if mm-hmm. he really wants to put a stamp and say, no, I am the next title challenger, there might be some pressure to go in there and get that kind of highlight reel knockout or ground and pound finish that it's not been typical of him in his UFC career. And that could lead him very vulnerable against a power puncher like Pavlovich because Curtis Blades looks good on the feet. You know, mm-hmm. truthfully, yeah. When he's striking offensively, he's fast. He's got good hands. He put out Chris Dawkins in Columbus. That was a great showing. And he said, "I've always been known as the wrestler. I want to show people I'm much more well-rounded than that." Well, that's great. But Dominic, he's hittable too, and that's yeah. I mean, that's not just him. That's the heavyweight division. You know, it's not. You know, a lot of guys are being hit pretty cleanly in this right. division. That's why you know the finish rate is the way it is. So it does leave me concerned for Curtis Blades in this fight, but could I, I could totally see this turning into a fight that does go into the championship rounds of rounds four and five, and it's Curtis Blades kind of dominating his way to a victory. But I also could see the complete opposite, where it's a mm-hmm. real quick Pavlovich knockout. I do kind of have a hard time seeing either guy win the fight the other direction. So if you're looking at betting, 
if you're looking at over-unders on rounds or, you know, picking a winner by a certain finish, like a Pavlovich by decision or a Blades by KO, TKO. I mean, the Blades one could probably happen with ground and pound, but yeah, Pavlovich, like, winning a decision, I don't really see that happening here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you kind of agree with that? Like, it's pretty clear which way a guy's going to have to win this fight and the method they'll do it. Yeah, when you put it that way, you know, in terms of methods uh, to win, you do lean Curtis, right? We know he can get it done over the distance, and we know that he does have hands. If Sergey comes in, you know, kind of like how he did against Derek Lewis, a little bit more wild and throwing big looping punches, then Curtis has an opportunity to maybe catch Sergey on the feet. You never know. Curtis does have some sneaky good uh, speed with his hands on the feet. That's mm -hmm. what I've uh, started to notice in some of his striking that he's been working on. So. Yeah, I do agree. Like the opposite spectrums there, like Sergey by decision, those odds are probably plus a thousand, if not maybe more. Curtis by knockout, honestly, could be a sneaky good bet if anybody's wanting to get real rowdy. Uh, but yeah, all in all, it's it's weird. More methods to win for Curtis, yet I'm like I'm I'm kind of just like at the plus one forty five for Sergey Noah right now. Yeah, no, I. I completely agree with you when the guy has five straight first round finishes mm. and you know say what you will about the style of fighter that he's taking on to put out Tai Tuivasa to put out Derek Lewis in mm -hmm. under a minute yeah that's not normal wow. that's nope. just not normal no nope. so Pavlovich is a guy I've been kind of slowly buying into uh, when he made his return after like a it was like a two or three year layoff yeah. he had, I believe his return was UFC London, right? The first London card. Didn't he fight Volkov? Uh, he fought Shamil. Or, sorry, well, yeah, Volkov was the main event. He, um, yeah. So yeah, when he came back against Shamil, you know, Shamil is one of those guys who you kind of feel like he's being fed to the wolves a little bit there. Like he's constantly been like a testing, a proving ground for a lot of mm -hmm. upcoming heavyweights. So I could have seen, I kind of saw that one coming, but then after that, I mean, he's kind of surprised me. I think I bet on Derek Lewis. I might have, I don't think I bet on Taito Ibasa, but it surprised me how quickly yeah. he disposed of him. Yeah. And it's kind of at a point now where I'm like, you know what? In this division, a guy that can really hit with the, not just the power, but the precision that Pavlovich mm -hmm. offers, it's a dangerous recipe. Yeah. And with that, Dominic, I kind of want to ask you another question about this fight. And that is about that Jones Stipe fight. Always getting brought up. Has to. Uh, we've been talking about it literally since episode one, I'm pretty sure. And I know we don't <laughs> do our numbers, but we're at like episode 285, not including special episodes, and <laughs> yeah. other series and whatnot. This inability to get this fight together, right? It seemed like such a certainty just a couple months ago when Jones won against gone that we might get it before the end of summer which would kind of make the timelines you know pretty good mm. for the winner of this fight to at least be in a heavyweight title fight come the end of the year or early 2024 but now we're talking about msg in november and dominic i want to know if this inability to get this fight together between john jones and stipe miocic has that affected this fight at all I think it affects it in a positive way, actually, Noah. Ooh, okay. I, I I think because there was already pressure on these two guys. Like, you know, you win, you're probably next after Stipe, right? But now we don't even know if that fight's going to happen. And if it does, 
it's pushed all the way back to November, which is seven months from now. So these guys can go in, have a war, have time to recover, and be ready to take that spot from one of the two, John or Stipe, or come in as a backup and be ready. Sergey already has done that one time. It was for the uh, John Jones fight against Gon. Oh, was he, right, he was the right. backup. So, you know, he's already kind of been in that position. But I strongly do believe that the winner of this is next in line. And this could be really crazy, but a big enough, emphatic enough finish maybe leads the UFC just go, you know what? Screw messing with Stipe. Screw all this contract talk. The winner of this, if it's crazy enough, you go fight John Jones next. I, it, It's not impossible. Just yeah, it's that. unclear kind of who in that super fight between Jones and Stipe is kind of the one holding up things. I mean, mm -hmm. one day it kind of seems like it might be Stipe and then it might be Jones. Maybe it's the UFC not wanting to do it uh, mm -hmm. in July. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's money. or I, You never know. Yeah. But let's say it is John Jones, right? Which I don't think, I mean, UFC or Dana's yet to really talk about him the way, you know, Dana's had some, him and Jones have had a rocky relationship. Like he mm -hmm. wouldn't be afraid to share right. how he truly felt if he felt like Jones was sort of holding up this fight. But let's just say, for argument's sake, that John Jones was the reason this fight was being held up. I could see a world, they did it when Ngani was champion, where by August or September, you have an interim heavyweight title fight between like a Stipe and the winner of this fight. Mm -hmm. Or the winner of this fight and, I don't know, who else in this heavyweight division? Maybe Aspinall right. and his comeback or something. Like, you know, I could totally see something like that occurring which I don't yeah. want it to, you know, I'm not a big fan of the interim titles, right. but I, I see your point. However, when I typed this question out, I actually kind of took it the other way where instead of looking at it for how it affects these guys mindset going in, I was sort of looking at it from like a fan perspective and even the, mm. UFC, the people who make the decisions, their perspective, where I think it does affect the fight a little bit in a negative way. I don't think the fan interest is as high as it should be for this fight, first off. That's, I agree, yeah. I don't think this fight's quite being – we like I said at the top, number one contender fight, but I don't think anybody else is saying that. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it's just because it's the calm before the storm right now and that talk yeah. might ramp up on Saturday, and depending on how the performances go, we'll go from there. But – I really look at this fight as like a clear number one contender for whoever wins. Like who else is there for these two to fight? You yeah. know, you saw me struggling to think of if Jones and Stipe aren't in the picture, who would the winner of this fight for like an interim title? Is it Tui Vasa? Is it yeah. Aspinall who hasn't fought in almost a year? Mm. I mean, I might be forgetting someone, but I mean, is it Alexander Volkov? Like who is right. it? Right. Yeah. So at this point, this should be viewed as a much bigger fight than it is. Yeah. I mean, heavyweights run the show in all combat sports, and yet this fight's just not getting the love. Mm. And that worries me that the UFC, if the Jones-Stipe fight doesn't happen until November, you know, who's to say that they don't try to turn one of these guys around and fight like a returning Aspinall? Or yeah. someone, I know Aspinall kind of has plans already for Tibura, I think. Right. But, um Who's to say that they don't turn one of these guys, the winner of this, around? And then that could really lead to pretty fucked up heavyweight title picture if 
Jones and Stipe ultimately both give deuces after the fight that they have <laughs> hopefully at some point this year. Yeah. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. No, I like the way you took it. We kind of got to go with the mindset perspective and the the business perspective, the fan perspective, the promotional marketing perspective, and it's all uh, just a bunch of hodgepodge in this MMA world. That it just it all moves so quickly. I hope that you know. Again, we're, we are recording this a little early on a Tuesday, so hopefully, as the week carries on, there's a little more intrigue, a little more interest. Mm. Maybe media day. There's some good stuff that comes out with uh, some of the interviews and. If none of that, hopefully at least come Sunday morning when we get in here to record, we've got a big, big takeaway and storyline to discuss for the recap. Very true, Dominic. Now let's talk about the rest of hashtag UFC Vegas 71. Fine, I said it. Um, we obviously, I mean, I guess we can talk about it now. We lose our co-main event. Um, yeah, probably for the greater good, right? I think so. Uh, yes. <laughs> Ricky Simone and Song Yudong will, will now be headlining the April 29th card and yep. potentially five round main event. I'm assuming they'll make that five rounds, but it's not uh, yep. done yet. But because of that, that does thin out this card a little bit. That was a pretty big co-main for this spot. But Dominic, even if the actual, it might be hard to preview some of these because some of the storylines might not quite be there. But I do think there's a lot of fun action to be I had so. throughout this card. A lot of fighters who typically bring it. Yeah. And I'll open the floor to you on kind of who you want to highlight first, a certain fight, a fighter, whatever way you want to take it. Oh, no, I kind of really mess with the new co-main event, to be honest with you. Brad Tavares mm. and uh, Bruno Silva. I, was, I didn't expect fun. that direction. I didn't expect <sighs> you to go with that one, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I want to hear Man, what you have to say. First off, Brad Tavares... The dude is a good-ass fighter. He's been around for so long, and no one ever talks about him, but he always has good performances, really good fights. If you haven't seen him fight Drickus, you need to go watch that right now as soon as you're done listening to the episode. And Bruno Silva's been a dog ever since he came into the UFC. The dude started with 3-0 and with three straight knockouts, lost to the former, well, the new champ, now former champ again, Alex Pereira, and he lost a fight with Gerald Muchart in an absolute banger that he got subbed in, so... He's always going for broke. Brad Tavares is a very intelligent fighter. He's never quite gotten to that next level, though, and I think that's what's held him back from a fan perspective and getting the respect he does deserve. He's always been that number 13, 14, 15, and never quite into that top 10. And he has, like, top 10 talent, I think, for this division and the way it is right now in the standings. But he's 35 now. It just gets harder and harder to work your way back up there. But this could be a good start. Take on Bruno Silva. I think regardless of who wins, it's a really, really interesting matchup. Yeah, for just to give you the perspective here, Brad Tavares came into the UFC at 21 years old, Dominic. He was 5-0, and and now he's 19-7 and and 35. So a seasoned vet mm. at this point who has essentially grown throughout – his career in the UFC and went through a gauntlet. I mean, he fought yeah. Israel Adesanya back in the day. You already mm -hmm. mentioned Drickus Duplessis. That was a war. A very reliable fighter. That's the thing. You yes. know you're going to get a good fight with Tavares. Very you're consistent. Not sure if he's going to win. Not sure if he's going to lose. But he's consistently in that kind of back half of the top 15. And he's yep. been so for a few years. Activity and the later portion of his career, I think, has thinned out a little bit. I'm not sure what the resume would tell you, but it feels like I just don't see him that much 
Yeah. I know we didn't fight Jerkis that long ago, but before that, you know, there was right. kind of a few right. years there where I felt like we weren't seeing a lot of Brad Tavares. However, we know he's kind of the consistency of this fight because Dominic this is a big prove it fight for Bruno Silva. I like I Bruno agree. Silva a lot. I do. I really liked him. I thought the way he fought Alex Pereira was like quite, especially when you see where Alex Pereira went after that, knocked out Israel yeah. Asanya, won the middleweight or yeah, middleweight title. I thought like that loss has only looked better and better right. considering it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. Silva lost that fight. Nearly got finished in round three. But for a fight that was really a bad matchup for Silva going in, I thought he fought pretty remarkably considering Mm -hmm. that. However, his follow-up performance against Gerald Mearshart, um, not sure what happened there. Like, GM3 is a beast. He's a dog. Don't get me wrong. But Gerald Mearshart was out striking Bruno Silva in that fight. Yeah, and when Bruno Silva is a very much just a striker, and you're being outstruck by a well-known grappler who does not have the best boxing skills, it was just quite the weird. I mean, it was yeah. just nothing like I had seen from Bruno Silva at the, up to that point. Maybe just a bad night at the office, bad weight cut, could be a lot of things. Maybe going mm-hmm. in sick, hurt, whatever. Right. But regardless, he's lost two in a row. I'd like to see he really does need a win here, a bounce back win. And it's not easy mm. because if he beats Brad Tavares, that's the best win of his career. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the wins he has in the UFC, Dom, only one of his three wins is still active, and that's Wellington Terman. Yeah. His other two wins, Andrew Sanchez, not in the UFC anymore, and Jordan Wright, not in the UFC anymore, I think. So even though all those guys had their moments, fun guys in the UFC, this is a big prove-it fight for him. I want to believe he can do it because I do think he's a fun guy. I like I like his style. But also, man, when you're going up against the consistency of Brad Tavares, mm-hmm. if Bruno Silva is not even – if he's 85% of himself in this fight, he will lose. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, I enjoy – and I'm kind of glad – like. Not on purpose, but they get the new co-main event slot now, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know? I'm okay with it. Uh, I'll talk about the fight underneath it, Bobby mm. Green taking on Jared Gordon. I figured. You know, we're big Bobby Green guys on this show. Uh, the king of the apex at one point in time returns to his home, his throne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have mentioned we're back at the apex, baby. <sighs> While Bellator's having a weekend party, luau yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah. UFC back with minimal back at home. attendance. You know. <laughs> Omnic, do you remember when we way back in the day had oh, a hot yeah. takes episode? Oh and yeah. And we said we preferred fights with no fans. Yeah. Remember that? How yeah. young and dumb we were. Young and it dumb. was it was fun for like a few months. I, it like, was. It was and fun. Then, and then it was I realized different. you got really I just got really tired of it once fans came back and you saw how great they could exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. At the time, I think we both were just we we were thinking of like the bad crowds that boo all the boo birds, you know, the Kansas uh, cities. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah. Hey, shit, I'm all you want. Who day up in this bitch? But <laughs> now Bobby Green always brings a great fight, but he's also got his back against the ropes right now, Dominic. He's lost two in a row. Now one of those is on Makachev, late replacement in that main event spot. Yep. But then Drew Dober, a fight that he was Ooh. piecing up. 
Drew Dover for the majority of that fight. Then Dover lands a monster shot, knocks him out cold. Dominic, that was the first time Bobby Green had been knocked out since Dustin Poirier did it back at UFC 199. Golly, that's wow. In the other corner, you got Jared Gordon. Not a guy that if I'm Bobby Green, I'm too worried about knocking me out. Jared Gordon, not really known for that kind of style. Much more of a, I don't even, I don't really know how to describe Jared Gordon's style, to be honest with you. It's clinch heavy. It's drag you out, take you into the deeper rounds, um, keep things up close, not allow a lot of distance, pressure. You know, he's a good fighter. But I think athletically he is a little behind a lot of these guys, and that's why he has to kind of make it a rough, dirty fight a little bit. And against a very athletic guy, Bobby Green, it'll be interesting to see how that chess match kind of plays out. Jared Gordon, of course, coming off what was one of the bigger robberies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it even made us say the R word, Dom. Yeah, it did. You're right. We don't say it much. <laughs> it was probably the biggest robbery of 2022. One of the biggest, dare I say? I'm not gonna say all time. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> that do we've it. covered. I but yeah, that. that we've covered, I would say that. Um, a lot of us thought they might run that fight right back. Even yeah. Patty uh on the hospital bed after his surgery <laughs> yeah. called for it. And win or lose, that fight probably will happen after this, but Jared Gordon. <sighs> You know, now because of that, he's lost two in a row. Or no, two of his last three, excuse me. And Bobby Green, a pretty big favorite. And when I first looked at his line, Dominic, I said, oh, this is a hammer on Jared Gordon. A hammer play on Jared Gordon. Same thing. I said, and not because, like, (laughs) Bobby Green could clearly knock out Jared Gordon or even win a decision because you see how good he goes late into fights. Yes. But I view I view this as such an even fight. I'm yeah. like plus two ten on Jared Gordon. Like you got to take that for the value. But then I stopped myself, mm-hmm. and I starts and I started looking around. And I started seeing Digging. the rats. I started seeing uh-uh. the rats. Dom, mm-hmm. it's a rat line. Mm-hmm. It's a rat mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. I do not trust this line because once I thought about it more, I'm like I'm thinking of the styles, right? Yeah. And I go. Where is Jared Gordon really better than Bobby Green? Is he better in the wrestling? Maybe. But can he get but does that? But is that really where, yeah, is that really what he's going to do here? Yeah. Bobby Green just has a lot of physical advantages, athletic advantages. He's got a power advantage. Jared Gordon been knocked out a few times or a couple yeah, times. True. At least. I always think of the Charles Oliveira knockout during his rise. That was a really mm. good one. Is Jared Gordon really going to be able to slow down Bobby Green? Slow can that pace can Jared do what he did to Patty? And that the problem is Bobby question. Green doesn't really tire out, Dom. You saw what right. he did to Fazayev over the course of 15 minutes. He got stronger as the fight went on. Yep. So yep. sure, can Jared Gordon stop him, slow him down in round one? Maybe. But he's going to have to do it for 15 minutes. Yeah. So I don't blame anybody who wants to put money on Jared Gordon because the value in theory is there. Yeah, but I might be staying away from this fight completely, Dom, because I think this might be a rat line. I think this is the line that is just too good to be true. Yeah, and you know, a fight for uh, for Bobby where he gets knocked out by Drew Dober, he's coming back here, but doesn't have to necessarily worry about that threat again. Back to back, I think it's going to free him up to be more loose on the feet, like he likes to be. 
I just like you, I jumped at that line. I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And then sitting here, I'm looking at the resumes as we're talking and I'm kind of pulling myself back a little bit. Maybe I dabble with a half unit. I don't know, but I, I kind of almost even like inside the distance for this one. I there's, I know oh. it seems like oh, you're a, getting freaky. <laughs> it, it seems like a fight where dude, it's going the distance. Don't even touch it. But I don't know, man, a Bobby green coming off of a knockout. We haven't had to see him do that in a while. Jared's probably pissed that he got robbed against Patty. I even bet on him and Patty to be inside the distance. And remember being sick to my stomach that I went the distance. So I don't know. I want to bet this fight. I just don't know how I'm going to try and figure that out. You know, in my opinion, when you said that and you're like inside the distance, I feel like I would rather take like a Bobby Green by KOTKO. Mm. I'm not sure what that'll be. Um, not very good at kind of predicting some of these the prop method. lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to think it'd be plus money, but it's probably going to be his most likely uh, chance of winning. So it probably won't be as good at taking him by decision or obviously submission. Jared Gordon, I just don't really see him finishing this fight. Um the last time he finished the fight, I'm going to look here on his resume, Dom. He has not. He has not won in a winning effort. He has not finished the fight since 2017. Wow. Um, that was against Michel Quinones. Okay. That was his it's UFC debut, by the way. So wow. Since then, he's actually been finished in every loss besides the Patty Pimblett one. Yeah. But all of his wins have been decisions. So that's why. <sighs> Bobby Green by KOTKO could be the move here. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Noah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say next. Uh, really, I, there wasn't even a particular fight, but I think my point I was going to say is that while there's not another fight with the storylines and the breakdown, I think, for us on here, there are fighters I'm excited to see on this card. Yeah, I think too. that's the best way to put it. I'm excited to see Brady High stand. Muhammad mm -hmm. Usman's back. Yep. His first fight since winning the Ultimate Fighter last August, he just went ghost. We ain't seen him in, since August, but now he's back. Um, Ricky Glenn's fighting. Jeremiah Wells is fighting Matthew Simmelsberger. I think that's a low-key banger that nobody's going to really talk Absolutely about. Absolutely banger. So, yeah, I mean, if there's a fight or anything specific you want to hit on, go ahead. But those are just a couple names that I'm intrigued and keeping my eye on. Oh, and quickly, you're going to love this. K.R. Rosa, number nine at Bantamweight. Norma Dumont, number 13 at Bantamweight. They're doing it at featherweight. Make it make sense, baby. <laughs> hey, uh, is this a number one contender fight that people are asking? <laughs> so I've heard. Um, I will mention, uh, yes, Jeremiah Wells, Matthew Semmelsberger, Semi the Jedi. That should be an awesome fight. I like Jeremiah Wells a lot, by the way. That's a straight up um, pick em, by the way, too. Minus yeah. 110. Semmelsberger's really good, but Jeremiah Wells, three wins in the UFC, three finishes, undefeated mm -hmm. in the UFC. He's got great wrestling, but he's got big power yep. too and good yep. submissions. I, I like him a lot. I might have to might have to dabble a little bit. Um, Brady High Stand going up against Donna Badgerald. I always mess up his name. I'm that's sure that's a tough one. Right. Yeah. But those are two guys that I think will bring a really fun fight there. And you mentioned a few of the other ones. I will say Francis Marshall coming off a very yes, thank you. finish yeah. win. On uh, his debut, he was on Anik and Florian's podcast this week. So I actually, that's kind of what reminded me that he's back here. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in his sophomore effort in the UFC. And actually, I'm going to give a little shout out to that women's strawweight fight on the main card. And that's because Yasmin Lucindo, Dom, you may not remember the name right off the top of your head, but she was in that absolute war. 
on mm-hmm. the Vera versus Cruz card. Uh, she did lose that fight via decision, but Dana White said afterwards he felt like both of the girls in that fight were the future of strawweight. So Yasmin Lucindo, not going to be a name a lot of people are going to be thinking of going in. She's yeah. going up against the runner-up from the, what was it, last season of the Ultimate mm-hmm. Fighter? Yeah. Brogan yeah. Walker, yeah. who did not the have third. a great showing against uh, Jul- Juliana Miller. Yeah. And you saw what Juliana Miller kind of did after that. So I could see Lucindo kind of running through Brogan Walker here. But Brogan Walker's fought tough competition before that, too. You're right. Let's not forget, she had losses in Invicta to, like, Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, I remember she has a win over, I'm going to blame. Maverick. Uh, yep, Miranda Maverick. Thank you. Yep. Yep. I believe there's another loss in there that's actually against a pretty good opponent. But by all means, Dominic, I think that could be Yasmin Lucindo. I'm looking out for her on here. Um, yeah, I think a lot of – even, like, I, I even though I kind of was I've, – I've, I've not had the best relationship with this fighter, but Priscilla Cachoeira, she's yeah. fighting Karine Silva, and Cachoeira does bring a pretty sloppy, fun fight pretty much every time she's in there. Do I like when she like gouges the fighter <laughs> she's fighting's eyes right. or when she wins a robbery that I bet on? No. Yeah. Right. But she does bring a fun fight. So I, I, I think there's a lot of fun action on here. Yes, yeah, 100%. That's the best way to describe this card, the, the undercard per se. Yeah, let's move on to the Bellator Luau Extravaganza. What a name. What a title. Yeah, I, I'm curious when you saw that on the sheet today, were you were you a bit taken aback, Dom? Did, did you mm. have to catch your breath? I think I never knew how Luau was spelled until today, current time. So it's actually I learned something new today, and that always feels good. Thank you to Spell Check for that one. <laughs> but um we are going to kind of combine both Bellator 294 and 295 here, yeah. seeing as they are doing a double header this weekend in Honolulu, Dom. They even asked Dana after Max fought last weekend, when are you guys going to go to Hawaii? He mm-hmm. said, Hawaii don't want us there. Hawaii, we well, can't get to Hawaii. Meanwhile, the B promotion is doing back-to-back cards. On back-to-back the, years. They've yeah. done it, too. Yeah. So Honolulu, Hawaii is where we will be. Bellator 294 happening Friday night and then Saturday night, Bellator 295. The Friday yeah. card, your main event will be a rematch for the women's flyweight title. Liz Carmouche taking on Deanna Bennett. And then Saturday, mm-hmm. the big one. Yes. Bantamweight interim title on the line. But more importantly, the Bantamweight Grand Prix final, final. between Rafael Stotts and patchy mix goes down. So Dominic, I know that fight's going to take the majority of the discussion here, but I'm just going to kind of open it up to you. We can obviously focus on that fight, but uh, you know, I think Carmouche deserves a little love too and against Deanna Bennett, but kind of what what are the X factors for this fight? What are you hoping to see out of each fight here? Like is there anything you're on the lookout for in terms of what the incoming champions might offer or what even the challengers could offer to maybe take the strap. I want to see if this reign of terror for Liz Carmouche can continue on, man. She's been so good since coming to Bellator and she proved that that title winning performance against Juliana Velasquez was no fluke. 
when she submitted her last year in December, man, and she's got a title defense now. She already has a win over Deanna Bennett. That was her Bellator debut and submitted her in the third round. So for Liz, continuing to prove that she has plenty of gas left in the tank. What is she now? 39 years old, and she's arguably looking some of the best she's ever looked in her career. Deanna Bennett looking to get revenge and win a title at the same time. She's won three straight fights. believe they're all by decision, but still has uh, been winning fights. I believe two of those three were against the same fighter and Justine Yeah, Justine Kish. Kish. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it is what it is. She's earned this, and now I just want to see if she can get revenge. I think Liz I just lean with so heavily, and honestly, can Liz keep finishing people? Every win but one in Bellator, she has won by finish. I'm telling you, man, like I've already said, she just looks so good right now, and it's so good as a fan and someone that covers the sport to see her having this success when she was always good in the UFC, but was never good enough to win the big one, Noah. Well, she's a pioneer, Dom. She was in the inaugural mm-hmm. UFC yes. women's MMA bout against Ronda Rousey, even had Ronda's back in that fight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people forget she might have, in another world, she derailed the hype train before it even got going. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is clearly Liz Carmouche's fight to lose, right? She's already got the win over Deanna Bennett. You talk about the age of Carmouche. Well, Deanna Bennett's 38 years old. It's not okay. You know, yeah. This is this is not a young gal fight here. These are two veterans who have fought a lot of good competition. I was looking at Deanna Bennett's resume real quick, and she even had a loss to Miranda Maverick and in Invicta before Liz and Bellator, and even has a win over Miranda Maverick, actually. So uh this girl and uh, Deanna Bennett, Deanna Bennett is just, she just loves fighting the same girl twice, apparently, because <laughs> she's done it a few times. But no, in all honesty, this feels like it's set up to kind of give Liz Carmouche a little bit of, you know, of a reign here, you know, as they try to build up maybe someone else, perhaps someone else who wins one of the fights on one of these cards to be the next challenger, perhaps a bigger fight uh, to go from there. But in all honesty, Rafael Stotts and Patchy Mix is the fight, Dominic. I'm so mm-hmm. excited for this one. Rafael Stotts is not just one of the maybe even the best bantamweight in Bellator, Dominic. He's kind of quickly rising up through the ranks if you want to include even a talent-stacked UFC bantamweight division. Yeah. I've been wrong about these calls before. I shouldn't say wrong. I've been overzealous on some of these calls before i kind of you know aj mckee we talked about being like a top five featherweight at one time uh in all of mma and maybe he is but maybe it was just a bit too soon but rafael stott seems like a guy who's really really just coming into his own at the right time in this grand prix he's looked fantastic he had that really heated bout in the semifinals against danny sabatello that he won with these even though it was a split decision but Patchy Mix in the other corner is a guy I've been high on for a long time. He's 29 years old. He is a nightmare matchup in terms of size at Bantamweight. He is 5'11", Dominic, fighting at 135 pounds. And that cut's not easy for him. And he uses those limbs, though. He got 12 wins via submission out of his 17 yeah. total. Uh, only one loss in his entire MMA career, and that came in his Bellator debut against Juan Archuleta, who's a former Bantamweight champion. Of course, he uh, fought in Ryzen. Or sorry, that wasn't his uh, Bellator debut. He did but that split. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But 
ultimately, this fight, a lot at stake here because obviously you have a pretty big fight coming up this summer. Sergio Pettis, Patricio Pitbull. The winners of those two fights will meet. And Rafael Stotts feels like a guy who's, I mean, he's got the personality. He's got the style. He feels like a guy who could really be a pillar to build the next generation of Bellator athletes on. But Patchy Mix, I don't think, is far from it. Doesn't quite have the 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 mic skills or the personality that shows through. But the fight style's fun. He gets a lot of finishes. And he's just a nightmare matchup for a lot of these guys. So I think this fight's going to be a lot of fun. Um, don't really know what to expect, mm. to be honest. But I don't think it'll be boring. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And you, we can't forget this. You know, Patchy Mix is one half of the uh, scariest power couple in MMA with the girlfriend Tatiana Suarez. Those are two people you don't want to fuck with when it comes to grappling. I, not, I, I must have forgot <laughs> so, they were together. So that's the ultimate power couple right now in this sport. And this is a, I think this might be the most high level fight Bellator could have right now, Noah. These two guys, they're just surging right now in their primes, beating everyone that stands in their way. Patchy submitted Magomed Magomedov. Not a lot of people saw that coming. Let a, like not a lot of people saw him winning, let alone finishing Magomed yeah. and Stotts. Man, you know, say what you want about some of his fights. Like, yeah, he goes the distance and whatnot, but he's a really technical, intelligent fighter. And we have two of those here clashing with one another. But I'm with you. I don't think this will be boring. I think if you like high level MMA, then you are gonna love this fight. I think we're in for a, a treat. Uh, one of the biggest fights, Bellator is going to have in 2023 and they get a massive opportunity to win a million dollars. Someone's going to stay or become the new interim champ. And you're guaranteed a massive fight at the end of the year, beginning of next year against Sergio or uh, uh, Pitbull dude. There's so much riding on this fight. And that's what I think makes it that much bigger of a deal. I think it's one of the highest level fights you'll see in Bellator all year. So I would suggest yes. if you're a fan of MMA who maybe usually just watches the UFC, doesn't watch a lot of Bellator, I would go out of your way to at least watch 295 on Saturday. Now, there's a lot of stuff competing against it Saturday. Of course, you're going to have uh, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia if you're wanting to watch that. But um, I think it's worth going to be worth your time. Um, you just don't get a lot of fights that have this level of talent in yes. Bellator. Bellator has a lot of talent, but as we'll kind of talk about, and Dominic has been critical of in the past, sometimes they don't get matched up against one another. Yeah. Is that a good segue, Dom? Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue for the rest, yeah. isn't it? No. Yeah. Let's talk about the rest of Bellator 294 and 295. Do you want to start with 294 since uh, you might Yeah, let's go day by it? day here. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you're I feel like I'm got you on the leash, Dom. You're you got the dog collar on. Yeah, yeah. Noah did say the other day, I got that dog in me. No, he said I'm a bad man. I might have said that to myself when I hit that. <laughs> Plus 175 on Raw Dog Roy Val. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. I still went negative, so did. But anyway, <laughs> Danny Sabatello, one of the biggest personalities in the sport and definitely one of the biggest personalities in Bellator right now. Number five, coming off of a loss to um, Rafael Sach. You think he's going to have a nice bounce back fight? Going to fight another top five, top ten? Nope, we're going to fight somebody that ain't even close to the damn rankings. And Marcos Breno. Now he is fifteen and two. Noah brought me. He brought me down a little bit when I had my rant a month or so ago, whenever that was. We've got a good talent here. He's one and zero in Bellator. He beat Josh Hill. He was in LFA. He's a good fighter. Okay, but why 
for Danny's sake, why are you feeding him someone outside of the top 15 just to make him look good? And for Marco's sake, why? Why are you giving him someone in the top five in a second Bellator fight? Like, I get it. If he wins, that's incredible. If Danny wins, he, honestly, I've, there's nothing really to lose for Breno in this situation and so much to gain for Danny. There's a lot to lose and not really much to gain, Noah, in this fight. It reminds me, and Bellator does this for sure, it reminds me a little bit of boxing uh, and a lot of the matchmaking that goes on over there. I understand your frustration with it because if you're not someone who is a, either a fan of boxing or that accustomed to like seeing how the matchmaking goes, a lot of times when a boxer loses a guy that's got a lot of value, like I would argue – Danny Sabatello has the potential to do, mm. you know, if, if he, if he's a boxer, right, he's going to go back and try to get that win back against someone, someone who's a more manageable fight for mm. him wins one, maybe two that are sort of gimmies. And then you go back to fighting one of the top guys. And I understand again, this is MMA, right? You're not supposed to have the UFC have really built themselves on not giving a lot of, gimme yeah. fights you know it's where the best typically fight the best but in this case you know marcus breno he should be a pretty big underdog but i don't think it's like i don't know how to say this like he could surprise here for sure like he could. He he's could. got the resume of a guy who has some untapped potential but is it to his in his best interest for being 15 and what was it, two or 15 yep. and one? Yep, 25 years to, old. Yeah, 25 years old. Is it really in Bellator's best interest to give a guy like him right. to Danny Sabatello as his second fight yeah. when you're still trying to build him up with your audience? I don't know. He feels like a guy who, with some seasoning and some time, he could be a exactly. guy that Dominic doesn't go, who? <laughs> Part of the future, right? <laughs> yeah, but instead – he's being forced into a pretty tough matchup in his second outing, but what a win it would be if he could get it. Um, and I get what you're saying about, there's not much to gain for Sabatello, but it's clearly just to hold ground here as yeah, he's got the ability on the microphone to sell any fight. So, you know, a lot of guys and he's, you know, he kind of builds himself as being an asshole. So yeah. a lot of these guys that are fighting in the title picture are going to want a piece of him. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like the Colby Covington thing where Colby's been able to get, you know, he's about to get his third title fight. And a lot of it's because he just, a lot of these guys who become champion just hate his guts and are like, please let me beat his ass. So yeah, because of that, I understand what Bellator is doing. I also understand if I don't know how a lot of people are feeling. I don't think a lot of people, you know, you just don't hear a ton of talk about Bellator until it gets here. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine there's going to be a lot of people feeling like you, Dominic, once they realize that this fight's actually happening. I, I would imagine so. And Noah, this card, not as good as the Saturday card, but I wanted to point out one lady, Sarah McMahon, yep. is now in Bellator, and it's she's fighting at Featherweight, 42 years old. Yep. She last fought in March uh, in Columbus, as a matter of fact, and beat Carol Rosa, who is fighting this weekend as well for the UFC. Didn't know she had become a free agent. Didn't know she had signed with Bellator. It's like the Christoph Jocko thing with the PFL. But she's fighting Arlene Blinko, a ranked fighter yeah. in the featherweight division. Well, not to mention, Dominic, this is Arlene Blinko was the last woman to fight Chris Cyborg yeah. for her title. So this is 
I mean, it's a pretty big fight for Sarah McMahon coming in here. Um, dare I say, not a it's it's a, an interesting fight because I almost wonder if Bellator's like kind of. I don't know how Bellator's viewing this fight. I don't know how I view this fight. How much does Sarah McMahon really have left? You know. Yeah, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if she comes in and wins. She's probably could get a title fight next. I don't know what Chris Cyborg's doing. Again, we talked about that, that on a sure. Monday show. But a seasoned veteran like this at 42, 43, come in, beat a ranked fighter, don't have a ton of time to work with, bam, you get a title opportunity, you know, and uh, it would just be Kat Zingano getting passed up again. You know what? Maybe we get Sarah McMahon and Kat Zingano to be together and they'll do like an interim fight or a vacant title fight. That would be maybe a perfect world, depending on what Chris is doing. But I just wanted to give a shout out there because I didn't know she was in Bellator. And I think it could be a good spot for her to maybe get a couple more wins before she hangs up the gloves now yeah okay i like i like the optimism there uh co-main event timothy johnson taking on saeed salma in the heavyweight division tim johnson been he's been you know he's been there yeah <laughs> i don't sure. know to, i was gonna say on a resurgence but he's had a couple losses but you know i, I like big tim man you know mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. been a guy just kind of he's been a guy just kind of hanging around for years man and yeah yeah all, all the respect to him also, how about this name to open your card? Sharaf Davlat Miradov. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Doesn't and roll Tyrell, off the tongue and, that easy. And Tyrell Fortune also, who's coming off that loss uh, from Chicago that we were yeah. at. So. Oh, yeah. Very true. Very true. Not sure if you knew this, by the way. I didn't put it on a fight announcements when it came out. Um, who's our boy that beat Tyrell Fortune? Uh, Daniel James. Yeah. Daniel James got announced for a fight, and it's – not against like anybody you gotta be shitting me they just had him and bader talking to each other. here we go yeah. again you don't now we're <laughs> no i'm not gonna do it bellator's having a big weekend it's a luau i'm not gonna get all mad but guess That's what bullshit. card it's happening on probably the chicago card yeah okay so fair so i think they're just trying to put him in chicago they gave him a kind of a fight that he should win and if then he loses i will cry <laughs> I know. We we've been kind of in his corner, man. I was when I saw the I I only saw that it was announced from like I think it was on shirt all like it showed up yeah. in the oh in the headline. Gosh, I was like, yeah. what? So Daniel James added to the Chicago card. I'm like, are we having another title fight on that card? And I looked, I was like, who? No. Oh. Mm. I was like, see, like I was kind of the guy that was defending that matchmaking, but when you literally had him and Bader, like it was kinda, there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, hey, um, it is what it is. Let's talk about Saturday, Dom. Let's, let's keep the party. That. Let's keep the vibes high. The party going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On this card, you got Aline Malay McFarlane returning to Hawaii, of course, where she's from, taking on Kana Watanabe. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. this this fight feels like a number one contender belt in a lot of ways. Like, especially if Aline Malay gets a win here, you know, she's the inaugural flyweight champion. She's probably one of the more recognizable names in all of bellator women's divisions and even though she had that kind of rough fight wasn't that against justine kish where she lost yes, yes. yeah and that was kind of a rough fight for her and then justine kish was ranked like four spots behind her in the rankings yeah makes know. sense yeah um <laughs> but uh kind of watanabe does have that under one minute loss to liz carmouche as she was kind of rising up to her ending up being title winning performance but now that loss looks a little bit better when you see what Carmouche has been able to do and then watanabe went and fought another former title challenger denise keelholz uh, mm -hmm. got a submission in the second round 
that was such a thrilling win. I remember that was my big Bellator parlay that I like thrown together at the last second. You remember that shit, Dom? When I fucking nailed that shit back in <laughs> I May do 2022. Yeah. That shit was like the biggest hit of my life, and it didn't even count for the motherfucking bet slip because I didn't even put it on there. <laughs> uh, story of my life. But <laughs> yeah. Um this fight, it's co-main event. I think there's a good chance the winner fights Liz Carmouche next. Uh, there's just not a whole lot going on at women's flyweight in Bellator right now, so would kind of make sense. Yeah, and I lean heavily on Kano Watanabe. Like at minus 135, I'm probably going to be playing that, um, depending on where I can get the best odds, obviously. You know, do your line shopping out there, kids. But <laughs> I, I just really like her in this, and I think not only her, being that she can finish people, she's 3-1 and one in Bellator, only lost to Liz, but Alimale, even in her win against Bruna Ellen, who was a debutante at the time, didn't necessarily come easy. I, we've had this discussion is her best days behind her, and I think that they are. It would be a big win for her here in front of her, you know, home state of Hawaii and their crowd. But, man, I just I can't help but think the best days are past, and Kana right now in that cage is the better fighter in this current day. So I'm leaning, honestly – kind of heavy with Watanabe and it could bite me, but I just really like what I've seen from her and not what I've seen from McFarlane as a late. Yeah. And I will just say, before I let you take another one of these fights on the main card, it's kind of a deep card actually for Bellator. This like one is recognizable yeah. names. As you go down prelims, Mads Burnell taking on Justin Gonzalez in the prelim mm-hmm. headliner, Yancey Madero's on the prelims and Kai Kamaka the third. Yes. All our boys are here, man. We have a big old luau. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Dominic, do you, do you want to talk about Aaron Pico, James Gonzalez? Oh, so I have to do this conversation <laughs> again because what the number three ranked featherweight is fighting. So, okay, I got a little confused because on DK, it had James Gonzalez on Sherdog and on Bellator's own website, it's Otto Rodriguez. Can anybody confirm who Aaron Pico is actually fighting? Otto Rodriguez was the original matchup. I'm not sure if that's because. I remember that because we talked about it. But That's I what don't I thought. No, I don't know if he fell off the card and James Gonzalez is stepping in. I'm okay. going to guess that's what happened. So regardless of which one of these two guys Aaron Pico is fighting, it still don't make no damn sense. Isn't that such Aaron- a Bellator move, Dom, that they didn't even update the goddamn website? I always go with where can I, like if if two say one thing and one says the other, I'm going to go with the majority, right? So I was like, well, he must be fighting Otto Rodriguez. It may be James Gonzalez. Either way, Aaron Pico is a minus 720, as he should be. He's the biggest favorite of the entire weekend for mixed martial arts. Another fight that doesn't make any sense. He's coming off of a loss to Jeremy Kennedy where he blew out his shoulder. It's a fight that I would have liked to have seen again. Or just Aaron fighting someone in the rankings at featherweight because he's right there on the precipice of fighting for a title. And I know that Noah wants to see Aaron Pico fight for a title. And, you know, listen, he could win this weekend, not have to fight another ranked fighter and get that. I just wish he was fighting. I mean, look, Mads Brunel and... um, Who's he fighting? Justin, uh, Justin are fighting each other. That's number six versus number seven in this division. And then you have Aaron fighting someone that's unranked. Mm. Little stinky. <laughs> A little stinky poopy, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Otto Rodriguez, by the way. Dominic, you just got to check topology. It shows that it's canceled on there. So okay. it shows that okay. it's canceled. Um but no, I get it. That's James Gonzalez. It is <laughs> Bellator's website. haven't not updated. That's such a Bellator move. Uh, shout out to them. But how about the opener of this main card? Dominic? Let's talk about Gucci this. Taking on yeah. Ray Borg. 
And yeah. some of you'd be like, okay, that's a decent fight. You know, Horiguchi's a good fighter. Ray Borg fought for the flyweight title in the UFC. Think about that word real quick, flyweight. A division that does not exist in Bellator until now. True. As we will be having a flyweight fight between Horiguchi and Ray Borg, and I will admit I am pretty confused by what's <laughs> going on here because there has been no formal announcement of a flyweight division. You have two fighters that struggled to make flyweight. Yeah. Which told me when this fight was announced that this would potentially be for a flyweight title because I wasn't quite sure why either guy would be trying to force himself to flyweight anymore. Right. So I don't know what to make of it, Dom. I assume the <laughs> flyweight title is uh, coming here soon. But uh, if not, I guess it's a fun one-off, but I, I hope that this is – I hope there's more to come of this because we – advocates for the flyweight mm -hmm. division over here. And mm -hmm. Horiguchi fought Demetrius Johnson back in the day. Guess who else fought Demetrius Johnson? Ray Borg. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, this fight should be fun. Horiguchi was uh, – his run in Bellator has been kind of interesting, right? Because I think he was kind of one of the favorites to win – the entire Grand Prix, but he was coming off of losing to Sergio Pettis in a fight he was pretty handedly winning for four of the five rounds. Yeah. Then he loses early in the Grand Prix. So now it's a little up in the air, you know, with Horiguchi, I guess. He's kind of in limbo right now. I still think he's one of the best talents in the Bellator Bantamweight division. And going down to flyweight, I think he should win this fight against Ray Borg, but Ray Borg's good. The problem for him is just like how depleted is he going to be from inevitably the cut. missing yeah. missing this weight that he's probably about to do. So. Oh no, Noah, you're already predicting the future. <laughs> I'm calling it, Dominic. We've we've had this too many times where we kind of hint at it and then it happens. So, oh man, what I really hope Alex not. Perez. Alex Perez, it's happening all over again. I will say though, I hope this is the start of a men's flyweight division in Bellator. I don't know why they didn't. You really haven't even heard anybody acknowledge that this fight is happening at flyweight. Like, I think people might just know, okay, Ray Borg's in Bellator now. He's right. fighting Horiguchi. And then all of a sudden, Saturday night's going to roll around. It's going to say flyweight. People are going to be like, uh, what? Well, maybe again? everybody's just assuming this is going to be at a catchweight, not at flyweight, you know? Oh, yeah, it could be 130. I'm sorry, Ray. Here. I'm sorry, Ray. I'm not, I'm being so disrespectful. I could be, honestly, like the fight assuming they get there Saturday, regardless of what weight they may come in at, it actually could be a good fight. Horiguchi's minus 230, and I don't like hate that. He should be the favorite, but it could be a bit enticing stylistically the way that they could clash. Mm -hmm. Ray Borg is a good fighter, very good grappling. Horiguchi kind of just good everywhere, not necessarily one predominant skill set that I can pinpoint, and that makes it a little bit fun. And again, hopefully they make weight. And flyweight gets a division in Bellator. Be perfect storm there, Noah. That's what that would be. You know what I'm ready to do, Dom? What's that? I'm ready to end this party and talk about some fight announcements. We shall. Nah, fuck it. Let's keep the party going. But if we are doing the fight announcements, Dom. okay, okay. Um, so we already talked about Ricky Simone, Song Dong. True. Um, really, Dominic, there's just a lot of shuffling of the deck. I guess we'll call it here. You got that fight being moved today, April 29th, main event. Then Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. This happened between the time we recorded on Sunday and released the episode on Monday, which 
Just of course. Love when that happens. Yeah. Has been moved to the co-main spot June 10th, UFC 289. Quite a boost for that card. But then, Dominic, another thing here. We have another co-main spot open due to Oliveira Dariush uh, falling out of 288. That co-main spot's open. Yes. And Dana hinted at that Gilbert Burns has been just begging for a fight, been blowing up his phone. So a lot of people suspected this might be the time to do Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. And those people who had that suspicions would be right, except it looks like we're having some issues getting this fight uh, together. Um, I can't even really recap all these tweets because it's gotten real scattered. They're kind of Bilal's quote tweeting Gilbert. Gilbert's not really directly tweeting at Bilal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh, the issue seems to be, Dominic, that Bilal does not seem to be able or wanting to make 170 pounds in, what, that two, quick. three weeks? Yeah, it's literally two and, and Gilbert hours. Burns is not taking that as a, as a good enough excuse. It sounds like that's the issue, is one guy wants to keep that fight at 170 pounds, another guy... Might want, I don't know if he wants to do 175, 180, 185, but yeah, uh, that seems to be the issue to the point, Dominic, where Gilbert Burns decided to go to other, you know, start reaching out to other divisions for a potential guy to go up against on that card. And that led us to the diamond, <laughs> Dustin Poirier. Gilbert tweeted, All due respect to Dustin Poirier, I know you are a dog. May 6th, I supposed to fight Bilal for number one contender. I just think me and you will be an amazing fight. Nothing but respect. Dustin Poirier, Dominic, you might be wondering, what did he have to say about this? How does he fit into this conversation? He said, respect, Gilbert. I can make 170, no problem. I'm not really in fight shape, but money talks. Mm -hmm. So... I suspect there's a good chance between the time we're talking about this on Tuesday and even though we're releasing this episode on Thursday, this might just already be yeah. announced. And if so, sorry about it. But we'll talk uh, about it Monday. It'll be, little, it'll be a little time <laughs> machine uh, for you guys yeah. to see what we thought two days before it happens. So, Dominic, do you think inevitably it ends up being Burns Muhammad or is there a chance due to Dustin Poirier not having a fight? Could he really be the one to step in and fight Gilbert Burns in that coming spot? Um, am I allowed to pick none? I don't oh. think we're getting a new fight. Don't I don't oh, think really? we're getting yeah, I don't think we're getting a new fight. Um I think I think the co-main on that card is gonna be Andraj and Jan Jana. I I I this is two and a half weeks away. Bilal is a guy that feels like he's earned a title fight. I don't see him coming off the couch to fight. A very, very dangerous and red hot Gilbert Burns and Dustin. Like, yeah, that would be dope. That'd be a sick fight. Him and Gilbert Burns, 170 pounds. Dustin doesn't have to cut a lot of weight, yeah, but you know, he said money talks. It's going to be have to be a shit ton of money talking, yeah. I believe, to get him to turn around. It'd be sick, guys. And maybe again, time machine. Maybe there'll be something announced by the time this is out on Thursday morning. I'm going with none. I don't think Gilbert's on this card. I don't think Bilal's on this card, and I don't think Dustin Poirier is on this card. No new co-main event for 288. Dominic, this is breaking my heart. You are usually, <laughs> you yeah. are usually optimistic 
to the point where it frustrates me. <laughs> and you're giving up. You're giving, I'm giving up. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you got? You are you leaning away then? Which which way? I'm conflicted, to be honest mm. with you, because mm. now that you threw that at me, it's like, man, yeah, I guess <laughs> two and a half weeks is gonna a lot of logistics here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't feel the Dustin one was exciting. Like I was kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I want to see Dustin fight. Right. I don't, uh, I'm not sure how much money it would take for him to do it, but I imagine it's going to be quite a bit. Yeah. And I think the UFC would probably rather even at a catchweight do Gilbert and, um, Bilal. And I know some people might be like, but wait a minute, Dustin's a bigger star than Bilal. That'd help sell the card and whatnot. True. But don't you think that they want to kind of they they need to get this this contendership hierarchy yeah. figured out? Yeah. Um, so I feel like, and plus, you can probably get Bilal and Gilbert a little bit cheaper than you can get a guy like mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier. So I think if there is going to be a new co-main, you do see it be those two, and it will be at a catch weight. Maybe they have to sweeten the pot to Gilbert to kind of make it work. <sighs> I don't know. You're kind of making me feel like how you're feeling now. I'm going to put it like this. I think there is a 45% chance Ooh. there's no new, no new co-main. Okay. Yeah. Here, let, let, just walk with me. Okay. 45, or wait a minute. I feel like I'm not doing the math right here. Yeah, 45% chance no but new nothing. co-main. I'm going to go with a another 45% chance that it is Bilal and Gilbert mm-hmm. and that'll leave 10% for Gilbert and Dustin. Damn. So all in all though, 55%, you think something's happening. That's all right. I like yeah, the maybe confidence. I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't think my math <laughs> really checked out how I'm really feeling, but I think it's interesting though. I, I, I like oh, yeah. the call out of Dustin. I do. Yeah. I think, I don't think it's a great matchup for Dustin, but I think it'd be a big fight. And Isn't it's just that not crazy a lot of time if Gilbert, to to it. like, if Gilbert does fight, he just fall. Like, the dude <sighs> is looking to be the fighter of the year in 2023. Well, he he's, in January. He's, just fought a couple weeks ago. Dominic, you know? he's looking to win that Joey, more importantly. Yeah, I, yes, that very true. He's in there right now already, I'd say. Yeah, the way I would it's agree. Looking. Yeah, and I, I think he really wants to earn that title fight. And yeah, good on him, you know? I, I respect he's, it. I really do. He's he's honestly having more people talking about him right now than anybody else. More people talking about him than Kamaru, than Leon, than Colby. He's the biggest talking point at welterweight right now, Gilbert Burns. So. Very good point. So with that, Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here, and that's with the little segment we like to call closing statements. The point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not, Dominic, me and you both had nothing mm. on Sunday. What do you have today? You briefly, in passing, talked about shuffling the deck, and it made me think of how I've never been good at shuffling cards in my life. Poker cards, you know, regular shuffling, doing that fancy bridge thing where they go, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah, I've never been able to do none of that. I can hardly shuffle the cards in the Clue uh, board game, you know, with the <laughs> weapons in the room and the people. I'm just putting them on the table and shuffling them all like this. So, Noah, I, I bet I I look at you and I've seen in my head you sitting at a poker table, throwing the dice, shades on, cigar in your mouth, the poker face. I see it. Can you shuffle a deck of cards? And if you can, 
you believe in your ability to a high pedigree? Well, let me just say Clue is the best board game of all time. Don't This is me. facts. Yes, this is facts. Um, yeah. What's funny, Dominic, is I am probably worse than you at shuffling cards. <laughs> Perfect. Love so that. big card game guy. Fam- one, my biggest growing up, my mom's side of the family, our biggest like family fun time, whatever you want to call it, activity was Euchre. If any oh. of you know, if you know, you know, Euchre is the shit. Four-person Euchre. And then when I went to college, Dominic, I met a bunch of people there who also played Euchre. <laughs> and I fucking nerded out because I love Euchre. The thing is, I never knew how to shuffle cards. And you have mm-hmm. to pass the deck around each hand and someone has to you know, shuffle. Mm-hmm. The next person shuffles. But I used it to my advantage, Dominic. Oh. I am a very good Euchre player. Mm. But when you hand me, I always try to I always try to deal first. Yeah. Because when I'm playing against people who aren't very familiar with my game, they weren't familiar with my game, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. They see me start sitting over there fucking dropping cards. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like, yeah. For, I'm, I got like two halves and I'm just kind of sticking them together, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they go. They're like, "What the what the hell is this?" Mm. And then that's when I, while they're like so confused, that's when I'm taking that that blade, and I'm putting it behind their back, and I'm mm. staring them in the fucking back with it, because I'm a fucking savage at euchre. You're a hustler. Um, I'm a hustler. I am. You you are yeah, Josh from that yeah. the billiards. Yeah, yeah. I love how that's. <laughs> I love how that's what you go to when that holds concept is based off a movie from the late 60s early 70s called the hustler with paul newman Um, and then there was a sequel made like 15 years later with tom cruise in it called the color of money so there you go there's your fun fact for today Um, but i love how you referenced the drink and josh (laughs) episode about it uh but that makes sense so that's what i thought of too at first um yeah i am a hustler Hmm. i'm fucking proud of it but now your secret's out my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Sunday.